I'd like to welcome everyone who has come to join us for this session of Antioch Bible Study. My prayer is that the Spirit of God will indeed fill this place, touch every life, touch every heart, empower every soul, that we may become the light of the world wherever we may be. Amen. Father, breathe your life upon us like never before. And let your word come alive in us. And let the light of your word shine through us. We thank you, O oh God. And we pray for every soul that you have ordained to be here, that you may bring them, that together we will fellowship in your presence. For it is in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, we continue. We continue our meditation on Paul's letter to the Colossian Christians. And today we are looking at the organizing of the Christian family. So let's go quick, quickly to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Verse 22, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men please us, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Verse 25, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Amen. 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 Okay, our studies take us to the very practical, but revolutionary aspects of family life. Considering the age in which it was thought, when we think of the nature of the relationships between husbands and wives, parents and their children, as well as between slaves and their masters, it begins to dawn on us how revolutionary these teachings were and are in many cultures. The apostle took seriously the calling of the church of God to go into the world and shine the light of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ on each and every society in order to bring families into love, joy, and peace as they change from darkness to light. So we take up from the husband and wife relationship, looking at it in ancient cultures. This is the only way to see how revolutionary these teachings were and still are. In the Jewish culture, a wife had no rights 
in her relationship with her husband. The husband can divorce her anytime he likes and for any reason. A woman cannot divorce her husband in the Jewish culture, except in very exceptional circumstances where he has violated or ravished a virgin. In the Greek culture, a respectable Greek woman is never seen in public. She is the property of her husband to minister to his pleasures. A woman was always considered a property of her husband. Now, it is to these cultures that the Bible introduces reciprocal obligations. Hitherto, all the duties were laid on the woman. But in the Christian ethical culture, there is reciprocal obligation. A wife is to submit her husband's leadership and authority in the home. A husband is to ravish his wife with his unconditional love. Besides, besides these reciprocal obligations are to be carried out as unto the Lord or out of reverence for Christ. The power of this addition to compel compliance is inestimable. Anyone in the church who has understanding of the self-sacrificing love of Christ will know the power of linking compliance to Christ. We owe all that we are and all that we have to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now let us um, take a brief moment to explore ethics of mutual obligation. What we have here is mutual obligation with mutual responsibility. The emphasis is on duties and responsibilities that ensure that a Christian home is filled with love, peace, and joy. It ensures that a Christian home is the model of what a home should be in the world. The apostles stood at the threshold of a new beginning for homes on earth, modeled after the love of Christ. It is no longer about privileges and rights, but duties and obligations designed to produce a blended home where there is love and peace with joy. The relations of wives, husbands, children, servants, and masters are to be grounded in the love that God has for each, as well as in the social order that God has commanded. Now, to achieve that, he said in, verse, in the 18th verse, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. There is considerable controversy with many who have failed to see the powerful significance of this teaching, particularly in the age it was given, and also in this age. The first notable victory of the gospel in society of the time and now is to declare that there is no difference between men and women before God. 
as revealed in Galatians 3, 26 to 28, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Given the state of women in both Jew, Jewish and Gentile cultures, this was a very significant departure for both cultures. It was a new dawn for women in their societies, particularly in the relationship with their husbands. In the context of this new reality, the apostle declared that wives should submit to their own husbands as unto the Lord. This is what will stabilize the new family relationship. In another place, he stated that the head of the man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. Therefore, a man that is submitted to Christ as head should expect his Christian wife to submit to his leadership at home for the benefit of the entire family. This submission is neither subjugation nor oppression. Because it is as unto the Lord, it is to assist. A woman is to assist her husband to be accountable to Christ in his stewardship at home. A woman submitted to her husband assists their children to grow to respect authority. To grow up in a home where a wife is submitted to a loving husband is very inspirational, especially for children. It enables them to long to be in their own homes when they grow up because there was love and mutual respect at home. We must always bear in mind that raising a godly generation begins with raising a godly family where there is love and mutual respect. Submission is made easier by love and love always inspires submission. A woman receiving unconditional love from her husband must learn to show him deep affection. The Amplified Version summarizes this better in Ephesians 5.33. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Now, in verse 19, the apostle said, husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Now, coming from a culture of rights and privileges for husbands, the apostle was initiating men into the new order of things in the family of God. Husbands are now to nourish their wives with unconditional love, just as Christ does the church. Now, the key element of this new relationship is the husband's self-sacrificing love for his wife, equated to Christ's self-sacrificing love for his church. In another place, the husband is taught to love his wife 
as he loves himself. In the same way that he nourishes his own body, he should nourish his wife. The husband, as the head of his wife, is to shield and protect her and cherish her affections. Harshness may be found in a master-servant relationship, but never in a husband-wife relationship. This is why physical abuse and verbal abuse must not be found in a husband and wife relationship for Christians. There must be zero tolerance in the church or body of Christ for abuse of any kind. We must note that physical abuse is a manifestation of lack of self-control. Verbal abuse is no less. Both show lack of self-control. Because of the dangers of physical abuse, the body of Christ must take it very seriously when it is reported and ensure that it is stopped while the brother or sister doing the abusing is put under disciplinary measures. Serious cases should be reported to law enforcement where injury was sustained. The Apostle Paul has a tender word to husbands in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It is vital to gain full insight into what the Apostle Peter had in mind here. Let me bring you a, a note from Life Application Commentary. Just as the wives were to accept authority, so the husbands in the same way were to give honor to their wives. That a husband should treat his wife with understanding implies more than just a kind attitude. It goes deeper, implying that his consideration of his wife is based on his knowledge of her needs, desires, gifts, and abilities. A husband who acts on his knowledge of his wife will greatly enrich her life as well as his own. This is the explicit message of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.25-27. While the wife may be weaker than the husband. She is his equal partner. In this context, being weaker refers to physical weakness, not to moral, spiritual, or intellectual inferiority. The Apostle Peter used the term weak, not to diminish women, but to build a case for respecting them. The men were not to bully their wives physically or sexually. Women had less authority in the marriage, so the husbands were encouraged to use their authority with respect for their wives. Their authority did not excuse abuse of power. While the woman may be weaker, she's also a partner, implying a side-by-side -side relationship of working together. A man who respects his wife will protect, honor, and help her. He will stay with her. He will respect her opinions, listen to her advice, be considerate of her needs, and relate to her both privately and publicly with love, with courtesy, with insight, and with tact. Some women have um, 
chafed under the biblical assertion that they are weaker, that they are to submit to their husbands. But these women, they need to remember that they are equal with men in God's eyes. Even though God gave husbands authority, their marriage and family, wives are equal to their husbands in spiritual privileges and eternal relationships. Both men and women who are believers are partners in God's gift of new life, eternal life. If husbands are not considerate and respectful to their wives, their prayers will not be heard. If men use their position to mistreat their wives, their relationship with God will suffer. A man should not expect to have a vital ministry in life or a vital prayer life if he is mistreating his wife in any way. So it's important to understand how solidly the Bible built up the new relationship so that the Christian family will be distinct from all other families of the earth. And then it will, it will shine. Christian families will shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. And that is how, you know, changes came about. And believers in Christ began to live out practically in their families the very love of Christ. Now, we, we, we move on to um, look at parents and their children. In Colossians 3, 20 to 21, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, the relationship between parents and their children results in a very deep bond, which starts with the mother during pregnancy. The fathers must join in as soon as the child is born, so the children can bond with their fathers also, as well as with their mothers. Parents who have more than one child must learn to share affection and love as equally as they can. The, lesson, the, the situation where uh, parents obviously show favoritism amongst their children will create an unnecessary burden and stress for the children. One of the lessons we learn is to always remember that no two children are alike. Yes, they may be all children of the same parents, but they're very different in many ways. And so, Parents who, who compare their children create a lot of stress and put an, um, a tragic burden on some of the children. So it is important to always remember that every child has strengths and weaknesses. You, you may appreciate one strength over another, particularly so parents are very, very partial to children who are very brilliant, you know, and, and, and very hardworking. But then the other child may also have their strengths and weak, and, and, and their strengths in other areas. And because they are not in the areas where the parents uh, 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 prefer, they, their strengths are, and this, these are all the errors that put 
untold burdens on children growing up. And parents need to be very careful about this. One of the lessons we learn is to always remember that, uh, yes, not two cho children are alike. It is always a challenge not to have favorites. When parents have favorites and show it, they cause alienation for the children. This calls for a conscious, it's not a reflex, a conscious effort on the part of the parents in order to grow friendship amongst or between the children. Sometimes when children are rebellious, part of the reason may be this alienation. When children are taught in the word of God, they will understand the obligation the, the Bible puts on them to obey their parents in everything. That will help them when the love is not flowing freely from their parents. And parents, they go to make this so much easier when they show so much love and consideration for their children. Someone has said that most children will want to please their parents and make them proud. If only they are loved and affirmed when they do well. These are lessons for parents to learn, particularly the parents who were not affirmed growing up. No parent should say, I grew up and matured without being affirmed. They should be able to do the same. Every child is different. What works for one child may not work with another. Fathers are warned not to embitter their children. Okay? So they do not become discouraged. Again, I, I, I bring you some comments from Life Application Bible. The command for children to obey does not give parents license for harsh treatment. Children must be handled with care. They need firm discipline administered in love. Fathers refers to both parents. Parents must not discourage their children by nagging and deriding belittling children or showing by words or actions that they are unimportant to their parents should have no place in Christian families. Discipline administered in derision ultimately discourages children, destroys their self-respect and causes them to stop trying. The purpose the purpose of parental discipline is to help children grow, not to exasperate and provoke them to anger or discouragement. Understandably, parenting is not easy, particularly if, if as a child yourself, you didn't get much help from your own parents. That's why parenting, it takes loads of patience to raise children in a loving, Christ-honoring manner. But frustration and anger should not be causes for discipline. You know, like a child that uh, said to the, one of the parents, mom or dad, please, if somebody troubled you outside, don't come and take it out on me. <laughs> I know that when we were growing up, we would never have had the boldness to, to say such a thing. But children do say such things today to, to let their parents know that they shouldn't 
act out their frustrations from somewhere else when they come home. Instead, parents should not should act in love, treating their children as, as our Lord Jesus treats the people he loves. This is vital to children's development and to their understanding of what our Lord Jesus Christ is like. You know, when you, when you say to a child, God is like a father, and if, if they don't have a relationship <laughs> with their father, then they will turn around to say that then God must not be a nice person. And that's why, you know, when, when, when teachers, particularly in Sunday school, say God is like a father, they may not know that uh, they're saying something that will further alienate some of the children. So we need to uh, uh, really work on this and, and, and the imagery so, or, or uh, metaphors that we use and, and, and so uh, develop it that a child may know that God is still like a father, even if your father um, um, is not doing well by you. All right, now we, 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 we leave that to, um, to go to masters and their servants. Colossians chapter 3, 22 to 25. Born servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. That's 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, when we look into this deeply, we see immediately that it also covers work relationships in today's world. Now and again, you find people who physically abuse their domestic servants in the name of discipline. I've always had occasion to remind those who do such that domestic servants are workers protected under the Geneva Convention. And so discipline cannot involve caning or such like uh, uh, punishments. Quite a few find it difficult to comprehend that caning a domestic help is an abuse. If a staff in the office is not doing well, he or she can be fired, not beaten. But to turn into the text, we see the dilemma the apostle was trying to address. Both slaves and their masters are free in the Lord and are co-heirs of the kingdom of God. When both slave and master are freed from the slavery of sin, the apostle admonishes the Christian slaves to walk us unto the Lord. Those whose masters are not Christians are also to walk us unto the Lord. The truth of the day was that the Roman Empire was run by over 60 million slaves. Now, through the spread of the gospel of love, slaves and masters became converted. The tendency must have been for slaves to wonder if they should still treat their Christian masters the same way. The apostle taught that they should serve better because now, they are serving 
as unto the Lord. The apostle admonishes bond servants to obey their masters and walk as unto the Lord. They are to serve in the fear of the Lord, not in the fear of their masters. In the book of Ephesians, we read a more detailed instruction to both parties. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as born servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or he's free. And you masters, do the same to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. There is no partiality with him. So the apostle is saying, you know, when you treat those who are weak or under you or, you, or, or, or working with you, particularly in the home setting, when you treat them with condescension, when you threaten them every day, you know, if you do so and so, the Bible says avoid using threats. Because you see, when we use threats, we are trying to prove that we are superior. But he says, but if Christ uses threats over you, you know, every time you said, if you, if you do it again, they are going to go to hell. If they use such a threat, Christianity will be unbearable. So if we, if we now have relationship with those who are weaker than us, and we use threat to, repeatedly, we must know that there is a law of sowing and reaping. So you, you still, nobody should keep threatening another. You can correct them. You can, you can uh, 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 discipline them one way or the other, but not physical abuse. The instruction to masters is to treat their slaves with love and understanding in the fear of God. The exercise of their rights as slave masters must be tempered by the love of Christ. Now, there are some who have wondered that the apostles were not confrontational on this question of slavery. Why counsel slaves to serve their masters instead of seeking an escape or a rebellion? The fact remains that Christianity could be said to have dismantled slavery, not through confrontation, but through conversion. When slaves and their masters are members of the same church, the walls begin to crumble. When former slaves have now become elders and bishops, the walls totally cave in and slavery gradually became something of the past. So let us then uh, quickly round up this uh, uh, teaching on family relationships. We must embrace the fact that Christianity changed the world by changing the individual. Our Lord Jesus Christ commissions his disciples that have been taught his way of love to go and change their world with the same message. When religion does not change the man, then there is no Christ in the gospel. Only rituals. Christian wives are called to go and revolutionize Christian marriages and homes through love and submission to the authority of their husbands at home. 
Christian husbands are called to go and revolutionize Christian marriages and homes by ravishing their wives with unconditional love, nourishing them and serving them the way Christ served his disciples as their head. Christian parents are called to go and revolutionize Christian homes by modeling Christ to their children and all the members of their immediate families. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ, he called us to go and be the light of the world. The light we carry to our world is the very lifestyle of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says, that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So when you conceptualize the idea of a Christian being the light of the world, don't think about somebody holding up uh, some lamp, you know, and shining it for people to see. No, it's somebody living the Christ life so that the world around them can see what it means to follow Christ. And the Bible says of that light, which is the life of Christ, it shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amen. doctor. Uh, questions popping up. I, I, th- I would like you to quickly highlight for us the fact that for all this Christian <laughs> revolution to happen, each person must be submitted to Christ first, or else it will be impossible to do. Oh, yes, because every, every commanded uh, um, obedience is out of reverence to Christ. You know, so you see, in fact, the power of that statement is, in, is inestimable. Take a situation where um, um, a, 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 a man and his wife, one of them offends the other. And as a result of that offense, they're inclined to disengage from the relationship, even if it's temporarily. But then they remember that that's not what Jesus will do. That Jesus doesn't disengage with us because we have offended. No. In fact, he draws us near, forgives us, and gives us an opportunity to make amends. And so it is that pattern. You see, the whole idea is the pattern of what of Jesus that we are trying to duplicate and replicate at home. You know, and so that loyalty to Christ is very primary. You are absolutely right there. Now we have we have quite a few questions. Says, Doctor, can a spouse go ahead with a fast, declaring a fast, if the other spouse objects to the spouse fasting, considering that the Bible says there must be agreement between both spouses for any of them to pass? Please, can you help us? Uh, no, there, there is no issue with this. It, it is uh, obedience to the word of God. Okay, so so the the Bible has already said that. Fasting must be mutually agreed. So if a man or a woman is obedient to the word of God, he will see to that point. Unless there, there comes a situation where the, other, the, the, the one party is never agreeable to fast. And, and, and in then, that situation, sir, what do you do? Yes, if, if, if a spouse is not um, uh, um, um, agreeable to a fast at all, then the fast, the... the, the the, 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 the spouse that is agreeable to fast can still fast. 
you know, they can still fast um, um, the dawn to dusk fast, you know. And this is often what happens anyways, when the churches declare all these long fasts, you know, 100 days, you know. Not uh, many couples can be celibate for 100 days. So, <laughs> so they do dawn to dusk. Like that's, a, that's, 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 that's a very good point. Sir. So basically what you're saying sir, is when, a, when, when, a, when the other spouse is not inclined towards it, essentially you can go ahead and fast without, uh, without necessarily uh, uh, removing yes, certain, yes. certain things from, from the menu. <laughs> okay, sir. What do, you say, what do you say to abusers who claim they need to teach their subject, their, their spouse a lesson? Nobody's uh, allowed to teach anybody a lesson. That's a very dangerous uh, uh, statement. I want people not to say such things. Because you see, every, every one of us, we need to learn a lesson. So if you take it upon yourself to teach somebody a lesson, you are electing yourself to be taught a lesson. It's the, it's the law of sowing and reaping. Mm. If you feel yourself sufficiently qualified to teach another a lesson, then you're saying that those who are sufficiently qualified should come and teach you your own lesson because you have your own mm. lessons too. So, so those are statements that are very dangerous because they, they bring some, uh, uh, some reaping you know, to, to families. I, I, I know that because uh, I've, I've seen people suffer as a result of that, uh, bringing themselves into all kinds of trouble. You know, you, 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 for instance, you... You, you say to a child or say to a domestic help, I want to teach you a lesson. Okay. And then the person up, up there in heaven say, ooh, so you can teach people lessons? Well, you need to learn one or two lessons too. Very, very dangerous. So correct people. Don't threaten them. Uh, 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 don't abuse them verbally or physically. You know, this is what Christianity is about. Changed people doing things in a changed way. You know, Amen. people. Amen. Sir, so, don't threaten now, me. Now, considering that involvement in church is voluntary, where does the church, where is the church's jurisdiction in terms of applying discipline to a, a person who abuses the other emotionally, physically, or verbal? Well, the, the church, the, some churches have it well organized. Some churches are not as organized. Because in some churches, if you abuse your spouse and they report to the church, they'll give you a, a seat where everybody will know you're under discipline. You know, that's their own way of uh, applying a, a ecclesiastical authority. You know, a little pressure to, to make people obey the word of God in their lives. You know. Which, which, bring, which brings us full circle back to only those who are truly submitted to Christ can actually even receive that loving discipline. Well, um, uh, most people really, um, um, in, in, if they submitted to the authority of the church, because you see, they're not, they, it's not, it's not, a, they, they need the church in many ways, you know. So if because you had issues with your wife and, and, and then they tried to discipline you, you left or you went somewhere else, you know, soon it will catch up with you there too. Absolutely. You know, the whole idea is that uh, that ecclesiastical discipline is to 
assist individuals to comply to the word of God. It's not to the word of the church, it's to the word of God. Do what the Bible is saying. Very good. Sir, okay. can, you give us, can you give us some spiritual, biblical ways for couples to agree on how to discipline their children? We're not talking about, you know, usually when one, one parent wants to discipline, the other, the other parent may not agree. So how can couples, <laughs> so many couples have different ways and the children tend to take advantage of, especially the parent they, they perceive as being more liberal. So how can parents come together? Well, it, it's a conscious effort. Okay. So you're careful not to counter what your, your spouse is saying when it comes to discipline of the children, because you're going to, you are going to um, create a situation whereby, you know, the children are taking sides. When we were growing up, my mother is the one that will always discipline us. <clears throat> but when she thinks that what you have done deserves a more serious uh, 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 attention, she will just leave you until my father comes. And, and once my father comes and hears the story, of course, you know what is going to follow. You will be caned. Because um, they believed in all, all that old uh, thing of um, spare the rod and uh, spoil the child. And so, and so when you hear my mother say, wait until daddy comes back. Ah, you know you're in trouble. Because <laughs> normally you if, she wants to, if she wants to discipline you, she may say things. She may even smack you with the hand. But my father will always go and bring out his cane. He has a cane in, in, his, in his room. <laughs> so, 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 doctor, but then just taking this... But I'm not point, saying that um, parents now do that. Parents have different ways. Yes, because um, I see um, uh, young parents now saying, go stand in the corner. And it works for the children. It works. It's just uh, uh, no television today, no this. They have various carrot and stick ways. And um, I, I've seen some of it. They work too. Okay, sir. So again, uh, coming back to how couples can agree, sometimes it requires you to um, wait and consult the other uh, spouse. Well, it depends on what really transpired. It's not everything that uh, requires all this type of thing, you know. Sure. Yes. Um, most most things just require correction and. Uh, and um, unless there's real rebellion, and it, when children are loved, you don't really find that rebellious streak. You know, when they're loved, they're uh, uh, encouraged, they're, you don't find that. It's when, when they feel alienated, and, and that's when you see all those rebellious streaks, or they feel that um, they're not getting a fair share of their affection and attention. And that's what parents need to avoid. Another, que another question, sir. Is truth progressive? Some people opine, opine or, or have the opinion that this particular generation, Generation Z, that should be treated differently. Well, now, it is important to know that uh, truth does not change. But the method of administering it is another matter. Take, take all this discipline. I've told you that my father uh, had a cane in his room. You know, 
I had a cane too at some point, but I didn't, I hardly even used it. Although my children will tell you that I used it twice and then not once. But what I tell them is that they used it 100, over a hundred times on me. So if I used only once or twice, then I tried, I really tried, I did very well. <laughs> so, 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 but a lot of things, a lot of things, uh, um, um, they, 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 they don't require all that type of thing. Because where there is love, sensitivity, um, you know, conversation, you know, parents talk with their children, they discuss, all of those things help to, you know, create uh, um, amity and friendship in the family. And you find children, and you find children obeying, you know, because then their parents have a great relationship. A final question, sir. Well, something I would like you to highlight, sir. We also need to remember as parents that we are a benchmark for a Christian family. So it's not just about bringing up our children, but being the benchmark for other people that are around. Yeah, this, this is what I said last when I said about the light, being the light of the world. You're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it also to inspire and encourage people around you to, to, to see how you, you, you can walk in love in the Christian family and love the children and the children have a great relationship with their parents, you know, so that when you, you are talking on the phone with your child and you're both laughing at both ends, somebody may be wondering, who, who are you talking to? So, oh, my dad or my mom, really? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked with my parents like that to be laughing like that. That is it, is to revolutionize the whole thing and, and bring love into the relationship so that children can have a great relationship with their parents. You know, there's no strife, no stress, no intention. They, 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 they know that they're in. And, and when they come uh, home, they, they, they feel at home. You know, I told, I told um, some people that when I was growing up, we were not allowed to touch my, my father's bed once it is made. Not to talk about lying on it. Ah, that's impossible. So when my, our children, when they were growing up, I used to drive them from our room like flies. Come, 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 come. <laughs> and then one day my wife asked me, say, why are you always driving these children? That was when it dawned on me that I was just driving them the way I was being driven when I was small. <laughs> So, so I, I, I stopped it. And now, you know, sometimes when the children come, they are struggling to find a space to lie down because they're all lying all over the bed. <laughs> you know. But um, it, it led to a better bonding. Led to a better bonding. So those are things. You don't have to practice what they did to you. No, improve on what they did to you with the word of God. And let there be Amen. real friendship. Amen. Thank you, Doctor. Amen. Will you give us a closing prayer so we can take All right. Open? All right. Shall we, shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you sent our Lord Jesus Christ into the world to revolutionize the Christian home so that the world may have homes that are run on love, mutual love and respect and, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Pour your Holy Spirit in every Christian home under the sound of my voice. Amen. That there will be love, happiness, joy. 
that they will truly enjoy their relationship. And they will be live happily like the stories tell ever after. May this be our testimony. Amen. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we found love, joy, peace in our homes. Thank you for hearing us. And Lord, as many as are stressed, may your spirit visit them now and minister life to them through your word. For it is Amen. in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.